All right, everybody, we got a great show for you today on Nice Grass, Nice People. Boat is here. We're talking all things U.S. Open, sharing our takeaways for players, the golf course, the crowds, all of it. Uh, really, really good one here, everybody. You're going to want to stick around for that. But first, I want to let you guys know that today's episode of Nice Grass, Nice People is sponsored by Caldera Lab. So say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin, Caldera Lab has the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. And listeners of Nice Grass, Nice People can save 20% on all of their best products when you use the code NICEGRASS at checkout. That's right. All listeners of Nice Grass, Nice People save 20% on all Caldera Lab skincare products by using the code NICEGRASS at checkout. And once again, that is Caldera lab.com and this episode is also proudly presented by suave golf most notably the second running of the barefoot classic taking place on saturday september 23rd at bennett valley golf course in santa rosa go to suavegolf.com check out our sabbaticals sign up and come enjoy 18 holes of barefooted golfing fun drinks delicious food and lots and lots of good vibes for everyone involved so again check out suavegolf.com that's it, everybody. No more lollygagging. Let's get to this podcast now. Yeah, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Yeah, I hope you brought your bathing suit. Delighted to be joined once again by my partner in crime, Mr. Jess Stemack. Boat, how goes it? Doing well, buddy. Man, it's uh, we've had 48 hours to digest everything that happened at uh, Los Angeles Country Club over the weekend, so I think it would be inappropriate for us to start anywhere but there. Um, I get, first thing I'll ask you is, coming into Sunday, there's four guys that I feel like have a pretty good chance. you got Ricky, Rory, Scheffler, and Wyndham Clark. I don't know if I just named them in that order because that's how the order of I wanted guys to win or I was rooting for. I I actually don't think that's true, but I'm kind of curious where your head was at going into the final round on Sunday. Yeah, I, I was I was rooting for Ricky. Um, just what? the, the kind of the comeback he's had, the, the rebirth of his golf game, you know, com- completely revamping his swing with Butch. I think it had almost like shades of – Stuart Sink beating Tom Watson in the playoff. Yeah. And this is this is not Wyndham Clark's fault. He won a month ago. He's a stud. He's gone through a lot of lot lot of shit in his in his personal life with his with his mom passing away from cancer and kind of him having to hit restart and, and when he leaves Oklahoma State and goes to Oregon and soul searching and digging deep and did that that's a great story, but it still feels like there was a little bit of letdown because it was like, is Rory finally going to figure it out again? Is Ricky finally going to break through? Is Scheffler just going to seemingly win one major a year for 10, 15 years? Like, there was a lot of storylines there. And, yeah, maybe he wasn't everyone's favorite on-site. And, you know, we'll talk about on-site fans later. But Sure. What he did it was just – he he didn't let his bad holes hurt him. He went out and won the golf tournament. He went out and won the golf tournament. Rory and Ricky didn't have their A game. Scheffler still can't putt, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great win for Wyndham Clark. This is going to change his life. I saw that he's made like seven million dollars this year in the last six months and he made like two and a half in the last six years so yeah and he he's a really confident player sure i was he's got a lot of games i was so impressed with like the just attitude bravado just kind of his at you know the way he was carrying himself especially on the back nine even when he had like a couple if he, you know, I don't know if it was if he swings, but you know, put himself in some precarious spots. What you were kind of like missed where he couldn't, and he took his medicine and great up and down here and there. And then let me ask you a question while we're still hot on this. Yes. 
when he was leaning and you saw how much that ball was slicing on 18, mm-hmm. did you think he was going to be in the fairway? I did not. Like, I was like, oh, what, what's over there? Because that, that looked right of right. And he was in the fairway probably about by about six, seven yards. Yes. He okay. still had 20 feet to work with. Okay, so let, 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 let's talk about this now. We'll, when we'll, I saw we'll, it on Trackman, I was like, oh, we're, we got a playoff. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to kind of the, the guys at the top of the leaderboard, but I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because yeah. this is like a big controversy. I, I heard a lot of guys saying they were disgusted, like almost just ups, borderline upset with the fact that Wyndham Clark could have a swing that bad. Dude, it looked like he mapped it. <laughs> now, um, one thing I am trying to figure out, because when, when he took that swing on 18, it looked like he just wiped it. Yeah. Wiped it right. He looked back. He's like, I can't even see it. And you're like, he didn't oh. know it was in the fairway. He had no idea it was in the fairway. But I was, you know, I was reading some more stuff, uh, notably from my guy Jeff Shackelford, obviously, and designer as well. Jeff, Jeff Shackelford, very involved in this open. He was heavily involved in the uh, the renovation that took place back in 2010 with Gil Hands, and he he wrote an interesting article where the guy who designed the golf course, George Thomas. The one thing he really didn't like about the course, because he was not the original designer, it was originally laid out by I think Herbert Fowler, like in 1920, 21, and then he came in and redid no the relation whole thing. to Ricky, no, no, no relation to Ricky. And the one thing that George Thomas always lamented about LACC is that the first hole took off basically in one, you know, the opposite directions where the late afternoon sun. So I, I think I said, I'm trying to do this all in my head, the geography in my head, where 18 always plays directly into the sun if you're playing it in the afternoon, right? So I think there's a really good chance that, yes, the swing was not ideal. It was not his best swing of the day. But he, he was hitting directly into the sun. So there's a good chance that he just That's a good point. He just lost the ball. It was like, where to go? Yeah. Because then you see that he's in the fairway, and then you look at the distance and everything like that. He only carried that ball, I think, seven yards shorter than Rory McIlroy did on 18. And Rory bombed his ball so yeah. i think i think wyndham clark again I, this is me just kind of speculating and just trying to put the pieces together i think he actually probably hit that ball on 18 a lot better than it seemed like he was playing a huge cut all days so he was aimed way up the left side of the fairway so he was giving himself plenty of room to miss yeah that was that was a slice it was a slice yeah, he, that he, was not a controlled cut he like gave he himself plenty of room to miss but i think the whole like i have no idea where it went was more that it hit it right into the sun. And it is, it is, it's, there's two things that frustrate a golfer that's out of their control. One, hitting into a late evening sun where you can't really get a feel for where you're aimed and where it's going to end up. Yeah. And then two is putting into your shadow. <laughs> okay. It's a weird feeling when you're hitting you shots. Hate I, do, I hate standing over the ball when I'm like got my shadow yeah. like sitting over my ball. I mean, yeah. I can't, it's, it's, it's just as bad with putting. So, Peter I, Pan should have been a player. <laughs> I think I think with 18, and here's another thing that uh, that Jeff Shackelford noted is that prior to the tournament, you know, leading up to it, they had narrowed the fairways, they had made it as tough as possible. And can then, we can we start calling him G uh, Shack? You know, you got like sure. G Shack. Yeah. Let's, let's go G Shack. So G Shack was noting that <laughs> the fairway had actually been rewidened about a month prior, or you know, yeah, maybe like a how, month or two prior to the championship. How wide did they say that thing was? Fifty-four yards, something. Like Fifty-something yards, but get this: where Wyndham Clark's drive ended up on 18 was always going to be in the fairway, even when they were narrowed. Basically, they had cut off the left side of the fairway so the more direct route at the hole was unavailable, and they were going to almost kind of force it to play as a dogleg left, right, where the the fairway was more hugged up that right side because there's a hazard yeah. right right of 18. There's a branca there. So if you the wipe it too far right. The camera view, like the aerial from the blimp or the or the drone, was. I'm, I'm like, wait, is, it, is, it, is that a fairway over? And then I was like, Wait, that's still 18 fairway? I was like, whoa. Super deceiving and not what I was like. You've never seen ball flights like that. Yeah. Stay in the fairway on 18 in U.S. Open. You have. And I think that's where. The fairways are firmer, obviously way more narrow. That was just weird for him to literally be perfect. He was trying to hit a little cut. He was not trying to slice it No, he was trying to hit a little cut. And I certainly don't think that the shot itself was great yeah. i don't even think it was relatively good i think it's a matter of Wyndham clark was just playing great golf and even his miss was really really good and he just he aimed himself in the right spot where he could get away with hitting a wipey shot without you know penalizing himself too much someone on twitter was like that was the exact opposite ball flight of phil in 06 <laughs> and that, I, a high slice i i heard people mentioning that same thing being like phil got penalized why didn't Wyndham clark get penalized yeah. and i i will I will concede that it feels like when you're on 18 with a one-stroke lead, 
in a U.S. Open, you should have to play great to make par. And that was into a wide open green. If that's a super narrow green or a green that has no depth to it, then I got no problem with a, a more of a pillow of a fairway, right? That was that was crazy to me. The pin was all the way back. Back right. So I will say this. Back right, the right side of the fairway is the wrong place to try to get to that pin from. Yeah. Had he been in the left side of the fairway, all of a sudden that back right pin location would have been perfect. So he put himself yeah. in a tough spot, and I think he left himself, what was it, 50-something feet? 59 feet, 59-9. And hit it to a couple inches. So he hit a pretty good shot just to get it to 50-something feet, give himself a chance, and made a great fucking oh, lag He's a gamer. Putt. He's a gamer. So it's, like, it, it's one of those things where I, I hear the people that are upset because – I do think there's this expectation with the U.S. Open where, like, you got you have to earn every yeah, single shot. It, it didn't feel like he didn't really feel like a U.S. Open. Interesting. I think, it's, I think it started with the fairways, just bi- purely based on the width. Purely based on the width. I, I will say this, and it, it, kind of like we were just saying with 18, if you're in the right side of that fairway to a back right pin, you're not making birdie, right? Yeah. If you're if you want to get to that back right pin, you have to be in the left side of the fairway, and that's where I. I didn't mind the width of the fairways because it was still demanding that guys hit precise shots to exact spots in those wide fairways. Yeah. If they wanted to have a chance to make birdie, which is not unlike other U.S. you know other U.S. Open venues, um, it's just that they're usually so narrow that it's like, hey, you just need to get in the fairway and then hit a great shot. Where this one at least gave you a few more options. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I I personally loved the golf course. I thought it was a pretty great test. The fact that the winning score was ten under. Did not bother me one bit. I mean, yeah. did, did you were you turned off at all by by the scores? Uh, I, think, I should say for I think, overall for the tournament, but were you turned off initially on Thursday when guys were going super I, low? I wasn't turned off. I I, I think a couple guys just had heaters because there was a lot of separation between obviously T one and and third, right? There's a lot of really great players that put up big numbers on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, so I, I think it was there, but I think ten under is kind of the new even par as far as these guys hit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen. The total Ricky or not Ricky, but Rory driving stats where he's hitting at like three eighty, and it looked Rory like Rory was, was fucking not, pumping the ball, not missing all week. fairways. Like that's just how do you? Someone needs to someone needs to take away the rest of his golf clubs for like a week or two and just leave his wedges in the bag. If that guy wasn't a percentagely like bad wedge player, he would be winning. Almost fifty percent of the time he tees it up. Yeah, for sure. Because every time it was like, oh, another three hundred and eighty yard drive right in the middle of the fairway. I mean, is it fair to say that Rory is better off the tee than Tiger ever was? Statistically, who knows? But I, I, right now, the way he's hitting his driver and picking up the tee immediately and it's flying like three thirty, it's just like, whoa, dude. Maybe mix in a few wedges at the at the practice center. Because he just constantly, like, flares and tugs wedges. It's like, do you know how hard it is to miss it offline that much with that much loft? It's really hard to do. I, I mean, you're... Like, the path has to be so far off. You're you're not Butch Harmon, but you are a, a fantastic yeah. instructor of the golf swing. Yeah. And what I'm trying to figure out is, like you're saying, he hits it so high, he hits it so far. He's great with the driver. He's great with his fairway woods. He's a really great long iron player. It seems like it only when you get down to his fucking wedges... That's when he really starts to struggle, and it's the opposite of how most players are, right? The shorter the club, Dude, the more confident and you know consistent they are. What What do you think? Start is hitting what? it lower. Hmm. Do you, do you, do you, tra- tra- trap that thing. It doesn't have to be sent unless the pin's right in front of the green. You don't have to send it. Control it, man. Hit 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 a little a little knockdown pitching wedge in there. Justin Thomas is ugly in, in a little bit of a rut right now, but he's gotten really good at. Swinging the club fifty percent so it doesn't rip back and yeah. controlling his fly yardages and total yardages, dude. Hit something lower because it's going to go less offline. But he has some massive misses with like a, a gap wedge in his hand. Granted, he probably hits gap wedge one thirty, one forty, but still, like you should not be missing it forty feet left or fifty feet right. Like, and your yardages are so inconsistent. Well, if we're if we're talking about Rory's wedges, I might as well ask a question. What for you, what was the most memorable shot of the golf tournament? Good, bad, like I mean, if, if there's one shot that you will think about five years from now from this golf tournament, what do you think will come to mind? Scheffler's two on seventeen on Saturday was pretty good. Okay, 
when All he right. was like trying to mount a comeback and actually put himself back in the golf tournament. Yeah. But I think on honestly, the fucking puke slice that fucking Wyndham Clark did on eighteen is yeah. in the fairway. Okay. Because I, I think there's gonna be a lot of people, and it might be myself included, that you know, the shot of the tournament that they were saying on the broadcast and it's hard to argue with was Wyndham Clark's second shot into the par five fourteenth, right? Two seventy nine and he's leaning the whole time and he leaves himself just a eighteen footer Unbelievable. Was, that was a great shot. It was unbelievably yeah. great golf shot. You know, gets him up there so he can two putt for a three shot lead with four to play. I mean, yeah. that was that was big stakes. But weirdly enough for me, I think the one shot I'm going to be thinking about even five years from now, and maybe this is just because when it got to the back nine, Ricky was kind of out of it at that point. It was yeah. it was sort of going to be Rory or it was going to be Wyndham Clark. That fucking wedge that he dumped into the front bunker, or basically dumped into like the lip of the front bunker. Yeah. I'm going to remember that forever. It's like, man, this is, you are one of the best players in the world. Not just, you know, on the PGA Tour. Of all the guys on the PGA Tour, you are one of the very best. Yeah. That is a shot that I feel like in that situation, if you're the dude that we all think you are, that's an un, that that's just an unforgivable miss. And I, I it's, again, I, I feel like he, he's, I would almost, do that. he's almost like Brooks kept in a way where it was like there's tour event, Rory, and then major event Rory just right opposite now, of Brooks there's like a little bit a little bit of a block for him or maybe he's just adding pressure not sticking to his routine second guessing because I mean when's his last major win 2014 correct coming up on 10 it, years ago it is so almost 10 years since Rory won a major for a guy to be that talented and not won a major and been around to not get it done is kind of like ugh once Ricky and I mean I, I guess Scotty wasn't totally out of it, but I think I think for the back nine on Sunday, most people were like, "It was right, a match race. This is good, probably going to be Rory or it's going to be Wyndham Clark." Yeah. Um, did you have a preference on who you were like rooting for between those two? I didn't like to use. I used to like Rory just when he came out and mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, I didn't get into golf to grow the game. I got into win win major championships, and then he's like the face of the." the first tee or uh, U.S. kids, whatever The game was. growing has now become the, you know, that. I think he, yeah, I think he was the face of the first tee. And it's like, dude, you're, you signed, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. It's like you signed a $250 million contract, apparel-wise, because the guys before you grew the game. And he's kind of, Facts. he's, he's kind of 180 on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Rory fan, but I'm definitely a fan now versus where i was 10 years ago sure but i i now knowing more about wyndham clark big fan of that guy that's what i, I find it so funny because he's got a local guy on his bag too john ellis is from san jose okay yeah. interesting I, I don't know you know much about john ellis i mean so he was a little bit older than me but i know that he was an absolute stud he okay. qualified for two opens played the mini tours forever never quite got to the tour but played in a ton of corn Ferry events sure um, closer to Hope's age. I think he's probably two or three years older than me. Okay. But just growing up, yeah, absolute stud. Interesting. Played at Oregon. I, I was so impressed by Wyndham Clark. And, th- and that's the thing. is like, I, I think you and me are almost a little bit the opposite where, especially when Rory was winning majors, like that 2012 through 2014, that was probably the time in my adult life where I was the most checked out of yeah. professional golf. I was living abroad. I was just kind of doing my own thing. I wasn't really watching any golf. And so I kind of missed the whole, you know, Rory jumping, breaking into the scene, just kind of being the next Tiger. And so for whatever reason, I was never really like a huge Rory fan. Uh, But in like the last couple of years, especially the last like seven years of like doing this podcast, you know, I've kind of started to like Rory more and more. And I actually think now I would consider myself a Rory McIlroy fan. Yeah. So you have to appreciate his ability. Yeah. And and it's we're not going to see a lot of other people that can do what that guy can do with a golf ball. No. So we keep talking about it. We keep coming back to, like, his A game right there, right? Mm-hmm. Kepka's A game. Scheffler's A game, air, air quotes, like, makes a few putts. Sure. And then after that, like, Rom, I don't even think there's a fifth. Like, those guys' A when games. The, when those guys are playing their best, I don't think there's anybody else that can that can hang with those dudes. Yeah. I would agree. Um yeah, so now that I've just become a Rory, you know, not just become, but I, I consider myself a Rory McIlroy fan. Yeah. Which is why I thought it was so fascinating on Sunday 
when Wyndham Clark is in the lead and Wyndham Clark is hitting great shots, I think most golf fans, especially Rory fans, are gutted, right? They're 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 living and dying with every Rory shot and they're celebrating the Rory good swings and they're also celebrating when Wyndham Clark kind of messes up a little bit and hits a speed bump. And I never felt that way. And I, and I was surprised I didn't because every time Wyndham Clark made a clutch up and down, sunk a putt, did something great, I was weirdly finding myself being like, just really impressed with yeah. Wyndham Clark just being like, man, this stone's to on this beat, guy. To beat that course, uh, obviously fan favorites in Ricky and Rory and now maybe the crowd a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I was talking about, you know, kind of just the Stewart sink, Tom Watson 09 For sure. open thing where it's not a lot of people forget. In the, in the last two groups, I think 99% of golf fans, that might be low, 99% of golf fans would have put Wyndham Clark as the guy that they'd have fourth in terms of who they wanted to win between him, Scheffler, McElroy, and that's Fowler. That's not his, you know, it's, that's it's just, not his it's fault. It's just the way exposure but works. But the fact that he pretty much had the whole crowd there not rooting for him, and pretty much the golf world in general not rooting for him, yeah. and to just put his dick on the table like that and just we talked about execute it. was so fucking impressive, man. I yeah. was I, I, I came out of this golf tournament. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd be a Wyndham. I, I don't know if I'd label myself a Wyndham Clark fan. Yeah, but I'm I'm down with Wyndham Clark now. Yeah, I I'm thought a, that I'm was a, a fucking a sick win, man. I it just I'm was so impressed with like him. That was really impressive. He even talked about it where he felt like the maybe the crowd wasn't necessarily rooting against him, but wasn't pro him. Mm-hmm. How it kind of gave him a little bit more juice. That. Like, you have to find little things to give you a little bit more drive, right? Kind of yep. even weekly, daily, but on the course, he comes from an athletic background. So, yeah, you know, it's the whole sport versus game argument. These guys know how to compete. He's an athlete, man. Yeah. Wyndham Clark is an athlete. And and that's we- even what his caddies, you know, told him, go hey, be an athlete here. You know, he doesn't have a swing coach. That doesn't surprise me. I found this to be really interesting, and I wonder if it's something that would be good for myself and a lot of other amateurs out there to kind of take mind of is that he said that when he's practicing, he's always just trying to get things back to neutral. So sometimes, you know, if if you take a look at his career, there are times where maybe he's playing a right-to-left ball. At the U.S. Open, he was playing a cut, and that's because whenever he starts to hit a ball one way, he gets to the range and just works on trying to hit it the other way. Yeah. To try to get it back, and then all of a sudden things start to go a little bit too far in that direction, he'll switch it up, and he'll start trying to hit a cut. And he's just always kind of trying to like I'm glad. find that balance and bring it back to neutral. And I thought that was so interesting. He is, if, if, he, if he doesn't have a coach, that is a, a breath of fresh air. Because as a college coach right now, dealing with very talented players, but in this era right now, and what I'm seeing trending is it's very easier to put up the not a, not not really a charade, but you know a lot of excuses. I you know I should probably check in with my coach, right? And and how, all these kids have how their do you own not coach respond? Now. I like am your got, coach. What are you you talking? have two coaches here, but 95 percent of the kids they have their own teacher back home, wherever they're from, right? Technology now you can do video lessons and send them videos and. Probably even still charge for for that you know that transaction, mm-hmm. that communication. I it's so refreshing to hear a guy goes, and I like using the term, and I think it's kind of an old old school term. It's in the dirt. Hmm. Like there's no there's no secret recipe. It's just go work your ass off, trial and error, move the ball around a little bit, do some things with your stance, maybe your finish, maybe the club face. There's the kids aren't willing to, to, to find it in the dirt anymore. It's like, I'm playing bad. You know what I would do after I had a bad tournament? I'd go hit like a thousand fucking golf balls. And I would go down to the grass of Bennett Valley, and when I started hitting it good, then I would start fucking putting the balls in my fucking divots. If I could get that fucking ball airborne, then every time I got to a ball in the fairway, I was fucking excited because I had a great fucking lie. Yes. There's so much, so much you can be learned from just putting in the time and learning about yourself and just tweaking things just a little bit, just a little bit. And today's players, they've got maybe multiple coaches, a mental coach, a swing coach, a short game coach, a wedge coach. That's the fucking thing I can't get over, bro. It's like every time you talk to one of these guys on tour about their prep, 
They never say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Even though it's an individual game, my team does this, my and team does this, my team does this. And I've just. It's my profession. I, I get it, but it, I, man, I, it just I'm, seems I'm weird. a coach, but it's like you've got two great coaches that are literally spending almost 40 hours a week with you out there behind, you know, on top of the stuff they're doing behind the scenes. Dude, float an idea past us. We have your stats, we know your weaknesses, and we're actually seeing you play all the time I, it's an open open invitation we are there to help but it's easier for them to say i you know i gotta get in contact with them like, dude you hit like 40 balls and then and then you mailed it in i don't think ben hogan was only hitting 40 balls and then no, going to grab it's like i grab a gatorade I, I tell them kind of like what my routine was when i was pursuing to play professionally even before that in, in college it's like eight hours a day Minimum. Like, I'm not hitting a hundred balls, putting for thirty minutes, and playing eighteen holes. Like that's that's not what I'm doing. I'm hitting eight to nine to ten buckets on top of playing eighteen holes, and putting for the last hour, ninety minutes of sun, you know, sunlight. It's I'm I'm not just mashing drivers or hitting seven irons off a mat. <laughs> there was no track man back then. <laughs> I, if I needed to hit it higher and fly it further and work it a different direction. I messed around with some things. Leave it to me to just send us off on a huge tangent here, but I, I'd be so curious, especially now as like a you know collegiate golf coach, yeah, but also somebody that tried you know to to make it as a professional. Do you think TrackMan on the whole has been good for good for golf? I think it's a numbers game now, so I think yes, but I think too many people focus on that, mm-hmm. like. All the other stuff. It is great for doing like wedge combines where it gives you a random yardage and, you know, you get 10 or 5 balls and then based on fly traje- fly yardage and whether you're online or not, it'll give you a score. Okay. Uh, that is really cool. Basically knowing how much you're carrying your driver, what the spin rate is, and then obviously, you know, the smash factor and launch, club head speed, ball head speed or ball speed, all of that is now, that's math. There's an equation there. So I think that's what it helps the most, but I think some people do trip out on it a little bit too much. Well, I, I guess maybe I should rephrase the question. Where It's undoubtedly improved people's games, right? Like pe- people yeah. are better golfers because of track, man. Yeah. I guess on the whole. And when the you're whole, getting fit. Yeah, like the whole like swing coach, track man, everything like that. I know that it's really like homogenized like golf swings in general, yeah. right? You just don't see as many unique golf swings as you used to because guys have been in the track man. They basically have been they've kind of figured out the the technique to be I, able to maximize. My numbers know, would probably speed. break a track man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the path numbers they'd be like, <laughs> please, please, please step away. Sir, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sir this is a Wendy's. Um, <laughs> I yeah, man. I I don't know. I, I feel like I go back and forth because when I see someone like Wyndham Clark, just Working on his own golf swing, like I said, going back to neutral. If he's doing this one thing, he tries to do the opposite. Dog. You know, to me, that is so much more in the spirit of golf. Yeah, totally. And to, and to know someone like that went out and won a major championship, the, the national championship of the United States, I find it to be unbelievably fucking cool. And it kind of... I totally agree. I, I, I wonder if the other guys on tour were kind of following that same, you know, model of, hey, no swing coach. Like, I love, you know, I'm, I supposedly love golf. I'm great at golf. Like, I should know what's going on with my own swing. Yeah. Nobody should really know better than me. Let me figure it out. How would that change the professional? Like, would all the same guys at the top still be at the top? Would some of the guys who maybe have just been grinding and working on their own swings for a while that are sitting more in that, like, 30 to 100 range, would they elevate? Like, I, I would be so curious to know how, if TrackMan just disappeared, yeah. how that would change the landscape of professional golf. Because um, I think for amateurs, it's... You know, it's great, right? Like, oh, it's awesome. We need it's, all the help that we can it's, get, right? It, it's, it's like now, now that the, the amateurs can go down either to their pro shop or to the store, get on a simulator with the technology there, and the guy literally goes, "Okay, this is the best shaft head combo for you," right? Yes. Like for the average player, that's amazing, because forever for for how how long, guys effectively the you know the the Saturday golfer. They don't have a head and a shaft that was ideal for them. You know, oh. they're just buying something off the rack. So that aspect, and I love it, how much it can help the average golfer. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of these days, yeah, the the better players are stop fixating on 
just that instead of going out and physically looking at the results instead of hitting into something where it stops the ball. I miss the old days of seeing a kid on the range with like 400 balls down, just a pile of balls. (laughs) You ran out of balls, you flagged down the ranger, you – he pulls up right in front of you. You just empty the cage there or two of them instead of walking back up to get you in a basket. I miss those days. Yes. You, you don't think those really happen all that much, even with collegiate players? No. No. Do you think it's uh, – if there wasn't a track man, they would be forced to be doing that again? Or do you think they kind of just overly I, rely on track men to the point where it's like, hey, I know what my numbers they, are. Like, oh, practice oh, More practice is not going to change it. They over-rely. Uh, their definition of putting in – a ton of hard work time-wise is a lot different than what it used to be. Hmm. They do have more data available to them more easily. It probably saves a little bit of time. It's probably saving a few risks out there. Um, sure. But I think they're afraid to really like um, – um, this isn't a whole, but I think for the kids that maybe are struggling a little bit and they're, and they're not seeing the scores that they want to see, mm-hmm. they're not willing to – to push themselves and actually see what would happen if for an extended period of time, let's say four weeks or six weeks where they completely just sell out. I'm talking 500 balls a day, playing 18 holes, a hundred wedges, putting for an hour, completely sell out, get a game plan going and commit to that. And then making sure that you're playing three, four or five times a week and just watch those scores come down because that's the only cheat code mm-hmm. in golf. I would imagine that the guys on tour are not that way. I would, I would imagine that the guys that are playing on tour, the guys that are playing on tour, they are they're more, they're they're still hitting however, however many balls. They're still hitting. They're, they're doing whatever it takes, right? They, and it's not as old school as we talked about this before. When I interned at Pebble mm-hmm. and at the AT and T, I watched Jose Maria Olathebel hit balls from about eight thirty a.m. to one thirty, and Jasper Parnovic. They both did the same thing, and they were all like six, seven, and eight irons. Then they went to lunch, and they came back, and they hit balls from, like, 2.30 until 5.30. Fuck. That was their Monday. You should have seen the divot squares. They were okay. really impressive. So that's the Monday before they're getting ready to play one and a half more practice rounds and then hopefully four tournament rounds. Okay. So I don't think there's that amount of effort being put in. There's still range rats out there. There's still – Still guys that are just absolute turf monsters. And is it safe to assume that, like, if you're playing on tour, you're probably willing to do whatever it takes. You're probably hitting as many balls as you need to take. I, I think what we're talking about in terms of guys like hit 100 balls, yeah. go do the thing, that's much more of, like, a high-level high level amateur yeah. type issue as opposed to, like, a professional For sure. issue. But I, I think it just it just gets back to, yeah, how much are they relying on the track man, on their swing coach, as opposed to just doing what Wyndham Clark did is just – Finding his own golf swing. Go find I mean, it in the dirt. Own I, your own swing. I, I know that Jack Nicklaus had an instructor. Yep. Ben Hogan was his own was his own instructor. I mean, the guy who had supposedly the greatest golf swing in the history of the game, mm-hmm. totally self-taught, just worked on everything himself. I, I would just love to know what the landscape of the tour would look like if that was just the only option. If they took the swing coach thing like away. or if, yeah, They can't outlaw it, obviously, but I would love to know who I just has be, the I, I biggest mastery spend, of their own golf swing. They'd probably be spending more time on the putting green. <laughs> Going okay, I absolutely cannot miss ten footers. <sighs> Getting gosh, back to that, that, that would be that, that was a golden age. Ben Crenshaw, unbelievable. I mean, that's the thing is like, if are there any guys on you tour believe right that now? guy won two Masters? No, I can't. I mean, think about that. I that's do, but like crazy. It, it, Dude, Tom Kite won a U.S. Open. <laughs> like these are, guys hit it absolutely no. Corey Pavin, absolutely nowhere. And by the way, he was doing it with like a Billy Baru. Yeah, if they played those, he did not have a fucking tailor-made spider in his soft bag. Soft Bermuda fairways. If they would, if they would have played LACC, those guys couldn't have got to half the par fours. No, no. Not the only even, chance those close. guys had was when the fairways were baked out. Yeah, and on top of that, like yeah. you know, if they were, you know, they're probably still hitting six, five, four irons, and those yeah. were guys we were watching this past weekend have wedges, nine irons, in a lot of these greens, which is. Uh, which is absurd. So actually, 502 yard par five, and they're hitting wedge in. So, so that, that's a great point. Par well, four, I should say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put us back on track here real quick. Yeah. We got a couple more things with the U.S. Open. I wanted to kind of run by you. So, I, I think we're both super impressed with Wyndham Clark. It sounds to me much more so than the general public. It seems like a lot of people were bummed out that Wyndham Clark won. I did not that feel that way. It sounds like you didn't feel that way. No. 
I think we have to highlight a couple shots that he hit just because I was so fucking impressed on number eight, the par five, with like the split fairway. When he misses it short left in the Barranca and on his third shot, legitimately swings and misses. Yeah. Doesn't even make contact with the ball and seemingly makes his fourth shot that much harder. Buried. Zinger goes, well, he's looking at seven. And then he chips it to like somehow blasts it out to the other side of the green in the rough side of the green and then chips it to like tap in and gets it like up and down to make a six it's a he, f- fantastic six dude, you looking back to it that probably that hole right there was the whole tournament well because it felt like at that point it was still pretty close between him and rory if he actually does go out and make seven or fucking who and not, then eight, ricky ricky had the eagle pot if, if he goes out and makes seven or eight i think the tournament's totally cha- totally totally oh, different yeah. and so i i was just so fucking impressed that somebody could go through that low of a low and somehow recover and get away with a six and keep his composure to then right away on the very next hole when he misses left on that par three, number nine, and then hits that impossible fucking... The poise to play way left. Plays way left. You hear fucking Zinger, who... I mean, let's just be honest. I, I like whiffed, Zinger. He, he whiffed a couple Zinger had a tough sure. weekend. Like, yeah. Zinger Zinger <laughs> just had a little bit of a tough weekend. He had a couple of whiffs, for and sure. And I think Zinger said something, I'm paraphrasing here, but something like, Oh geez, like he it, honestly, it's impossible to get this thing inside ten feet, like impossible. And then mid mid play, he's like, "That's not going to come back that far. It should stop right there." And he's like, "Not only did it come back, uh, I was wrong. It rolled out a lot more than I thought. Shit, well, at least dude, good that, ownership there, Zinger. To put that thing to like six or seven feet, what he did, and then bang that just putt right down. after that whole debacle that happened on number eight. I was just so fucking impressed. And honestly, I think. The shot that he hit that terrified me the most, where if I had the shot that he had, I would have just defecated myself and walked off the golf course, was that fucking chip shot he had on the par 3 11th, where he airmailed it a little long and left, and he had that shot basically off off a tight lie, a super tight lie, straight up a hill of all short grass onto a little back portion of the green that also had a slope going on the other side of the hole. That is... (laughs) For him to hit that fucking nipper wedge off that tight lie... Straight up the hill to fly the slope, land it right on top of the tabletop and get it to stop right next to the hole. That was probably one of the sexiest golf shots I've That's ever seen. Such a pitching wedge for me, trying to two putt, <laughs> for, two putt for bogey from 25 feet past. Such a pitching wedge. That's it. <laughs> But for me, that's <laughs> like no way. I'm gonna hit like nine or eight iron there and try to bump it up the hill and just like pray that it's gonna oh. be like the one out of thirty I'm times that, that I, I that I time it like that. that I get the, the steroid jerk right. a pitching wedge to get it past the pin, dude. That's way and he fucking he hit that thing hard. I he know. nipped that it so hard, got so much spin. I that golf shot, shot alone <laughs> was so impressive. As soon as he made that up and down Ooh. at eleven, I was like. I mean, I'm not. I'm still rooting for Rory, but like, Jesus Christ, man, this guy's got a fucking. What made this that guy's going to deserve it if he wins? What made that shot so much better was watching Scheffler from the same basically direction tap it, and it trickles like 12 feet past. Yes, exactly. And it's like, how did Homeboy hit that shot and get it to stop where it did, and then make par? Unbelievable. It's like, whoa! No, that was a great shot. Yeah, it was unbelievable, man. Like Wyndham Clark, so just so unbelievably impressed. I'm trying to think if I had anything else that I was uh oh okay here's the other thing is that people like we were mentioning earlier were upset with his tee shot on 18 yeah there's a lot of people saying hey Wyndham Clark like didn't play good enough to be a US Open champion you got to earn it I would flip that around because Tiger played a lot of kind of suspect final rounds with a lot of wonky shots down the stretch of majors but he always just found a way yeah. and that's what we loved about Tiger right it's like no matter what happened he might throw in a bad shot here and there Screw himself, make a bo- make a boneheaded bogey. He did, but he always figured out a way to win, and that's what we loved about him. He didn't beat himself. He never beat himself. He forced the chasers to come out and flat out take it from him. And yeah, Wyndham. I kept thinking to myself, if this was Tiger, if if you had just body swapped Tiger and Wyndham, and Tiger had won this championship in the exact same fashion, hitting the exact same shots, the narrative would have been completely different. It would have been totally different. I I, I think even if shit, even if Rory. Had, had swapped. If Rory had won this championship and had won it where him and Wyndham Clark had swapped rounds, swapped positions, I don't think there's anybody out there that's complaining about this victory the way that I've heard people griping about Wyndham Clark winning. And that's kind of what cements it in my head is like, not only is he a deserving champion, like, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're on the same page We here. agree there. Okay. Yeah. It does not seem like we fall into the consensus on this. But, yeah. uh Hey, that's why people come to Nice Grass, Nice People. Just two nice guys talking about some really <laughs> nice golf from Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open. Um, do you have any other little thoughts uh, you want to share on Rory or Scotty Scheffler? 
with the way they played. I, obviously, Scotty that two that he made on he'll... 17 on Saturday followed up by the birdie on 18 was sick. He's going to be in, in contention so much moving forward. I think it's going to be cool to watch. I think he's going to go on a pretty good run. He'll get the putter figured out. Um, yeah. I like where he's headed. What do you think Scotty's swing coach thinks? Or does he not have a swing coach? I'm sure he does. I think he works with – he might work, work with Randy Smith uh, out of the Dallas area. I – was there ever a point in time where someone Dude, tried to coach like, the coach those feet out of him? I don't think so. No. Like you that you no, you let you let the guy paint. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You don't change you you let the guy get after it for sure. Was there ever a time on Sunday where you thought Scheffler had a chance to win the tournament? Not really. No. I Just because I didn't because really Rory either. and Rory and Wyndham weren't giving strokes back. Yeah. And Scheffler wasn't making like Eagles and a ton of birdies. Did you hear that Rory, when he came off the golf course, I can't remember he was talking to his agent or someone someone in his team, they overheard the quote where he said, fucking St. Andrews all over again. <laughs> did you did you get that sense when watching Rory where it just seemed like he needed to at least he needed to hit the fucking throttle? I think throttle he was frustrated, but he wasn't really showing it as much because I don't think he thought that Wyndham was going to be flawless down the stretch. I don't think so either. I, I don't think I, any, I, I don't think anyone really did. I think Rory thought that if he went out and shot seventy or sixty nine, yeah. it was going to be good enough to win. Yeah, because admittedly the golf course was playing really hard. Yeah, on Sunday, um, despite all those low probably, scores on Thursday, I think he was surprised that he didn't come back to him. Yeah, I mean it's so funny though, man. He just hit so many fairways and he hit so many greens. Granted, he didn't really make anything outside of ten feet all day, but a lot of those putts that he had were you know less than fifty percent make you know kind of odds, but. Man, if he had Rory, just if he had just run into one or two, I mean, he wins this golf tournament. A little, little deflated when he missed that little putt for birdie. Yeah, that was kind of when he missed that, and I saw the hands like literally flinch. That three putt from right off the green on eight. I was like, right before Wyndham got and had ooh, the debacle. That, that that could have been a lot of momentum. Yeah, yeah. It turned out to be a big one. Yeah, it's unfortunately another big swing and a miss for for Rory. Even though I think most of the golf world was pulling for him, certainly the fans at LACC, yeah. uh, from what I've read, were really pulling for Rory McIlroy. Um, any other thoughts on other guys that were in the field? I know, uh, Cam Smith has like a nice little backdoor, you know, top five, top 10. I, um, Tommy Fleetwood goes out and shoots 63 on Sunday, the backdoor top five. Um, we just need one of those guys to be closer to the lead. Yeah. If Cam Smith had been, cause I, just like I, a couple how do you not, how do you not root for Fleetwood? It's really hard not to root for Fleetwood. Seems like a really nice guy. Two Sunday 63s in the U.S. Open. It's fucking baller as hell. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's really fucking good. Um, speaking of really good, I found myself, I wouldn't say obsessed. I'm not like a stalker or anything like that. But I fucking love Minwoo Lee. I love his golf swing. And I just, he's got a very, I love the very dude. suspect duster. <laughs> and I mean, but he's very confident suspect. with it. But he's confident with it. From, you know, he's from, got that, and then he's got like the weird looking golf shirt that almost looks like a. Like a designer T-shirt. Oh, it is. Like yeah. it's like you notice, like a, the guy that was playing uh, who qualified out of Japan had the kind of like a just like a t- kind of like a short mock short sleeve. Yeah. With like a big logo right in the center of his chest. Maybe it's a non-American thing. I or maybe it's a you know a Far East thing. I, I I don't really know, but I know he's Korean. You know by ancestry, but he's from Australia. Yeah. And so just seeing that dude with his fucking really, I wouldn't say suspect, but it's a light but oh, crispy it's, light it's, but crispy duster on his upper lip. There is zero depth to it. But he's working on it. It's it's pencil thin. It's I like he. It could be thicker. Rome wasn't built in a day, could, man. It could be you know there could he could be getting closer to the nostril, but he keeps that thing. I think if he continues to just let it go and just let it do its thing, in a year from now, it will look much better. Um, it needs to. It, <laughs> let's let's hope that he's not like tied down to this look, and this is. <laughs> This is a, let's I hope disagree. this is an early the this full, is an early stage. What do they call like the Lamar Jackson like Oakley huge like you know almost like colored like sunglasses yeah. that Minwoo wears combined with that really ni- nice little duster that he's got on his upper lip, and then he's just out there just snow piercing two irons and just his golf swing is so powerful and violent. I fucking love it. Like obviously he didn't win. He never had really had a chance to win. I know he ends up finishing near the top of the leaderboard. Made a lot but of I, money. But I do need to just let it be known that. I am a Min Woo Lee fan. You like the look. I I love the look. I don't like it. I fucking love it, and I love the <laughs> golf swing. Like I just love the do everything that Min Woo Lee is bringing to the table. Uh, I am in full support of. Do you, are you going to second me on this? Yeah, everything but the mustache. 
<laughs> even the even the t-shirt i'm like all right that's kind of goofy i mean dude, uh, he's he's related to the best iron player in the world yeah minji i mean so. she, i mean w- w- you you've read that stuff before that she basically had a closer proximity rate than any player on the pga tour last year yeah it's pretty she's, awesome she's very good good she's very very good and he's very good i yeah. i would like to see him contend and possibly win one here pretty soon yeah um any other guys from like the leaderboard or from the tournament that uh, kind of caught your eye that you had any justin uh, thomas 81 what happened uh i mean i know he's obviously he's a little bit of wrong funk. again uh spieth missed the cut on us i don't know and now we have a month until is it hoylake hoylake yes where yeah. rory has won Got a month. the open championship thought phil would be a factor when he got off to a good clean start on thursday and then just fizzled mm-hmm. that was weird he when he gets off to a good start he usually hangs around yeah um Besides that, I don't really. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's transition a little bit to the golf course itself and the crowds. There's a lot of chatter about the the spectators, the crowds, the atmosphere, the golf course. Um, most of it negative. Yeah. And I and I think, from what I know, um, quite a bit of it maybe justified. The one thing that I will not stand for is people saying that they didn't think the golf course was very good. And it wasn't a good U.S. Open course. I completely disagree. I thought the golf course was fucking awesome. There's very few courses that these guys go play where I kind of have that feeling that, you know, when, like when they're at Augusta, we're like, I would give fucking anything to play this golf course. Yeah. I had that feeling several times. Watch I was like, I can't believe how fucking sick this golf course looks. And I was very surprised to hear that not that many of our friends or people that, that we know felt the same way and yeah. i'm curious how, how you were feeling when you i think just just a, a visually just shocking to not see super narrow fairways mm-hmm. like the rough was up like we saw the lies you know all week you know before dropping the balls and the ball disappearing but it's like with the fairways that wide unless you were absolutely mapping it guys weren't there There wasn't any like bloodbaths out there sure of, of, of guys trying to get it to the fairway and not getting it there i mean i think the rough at the pga championship was yeah, I mean, th- this year's PGA Championship played more like felt, an open, felt more like yep. a traditional U.S. Open than I think LACC so did. So I think just visually, we were kind of caught off guard. Mm-hmm. We're like, wait, no, this, wait, what? No, you know, it's like, the, oh, oh, hey, there was none of that. Hang in the fairway, hang in the fairway. It's like landing on, you know, basically just like wet Bermuda fairways. That is, if, like, if you missed the fairway at LACC, you hit a shitty shot. Yeah, you did. You double crossed it. Yeah, <laughs> so like Rory I think 14. that was just a thing that was kind of just out of left field the guys are so just visually it's 180 of what they're used to seeing out mm-hmm. and open so i don't know if that's going to be a trend moving forward um the open next year is where the u.s open the united states open next year 2024 is at pinehurst okay yeah that's right. number two that's right so i don't think we'll be seeing fairways like that at pinehurst no, but but Pinehurst compared to a lot of traditional U.S. Open venues is a little wider. Certainly wider than than you're going to find yeah. in a lot of other places. But I, I think that they have the waste areas too. So. Well, they they have the waste areas, but I, I think for LACC, a lot of the most challenging aspects of the golf course didn't really present that well on TV. Um, like we were talking about 18 earlier, right? If you're going to get to that back right pin location on 18, you have to be in the left side of the fairway. Whereas if you want to get to that back left pin location, you want to be center or right of the fairway. Those things are not so easy to kind of pick up just watching it on TV. Um, whereas I think a traditional U.S. Open setup, it's like you're in the fairway, you're not. You're close to the hole, you're not on your approach shot. It's a little bit easier for most golf fans to kind of pick up what's going what's going on. And shame on NBC for not doing a better job of explaining to the viewers who are watching on yeah. TV, like, hey, in this hole, you have to put on this little spot. And of- there wasn't like a there wasn't like a dramatic recovery shot coming down the stretch. Right, like it was just. He hit the fairway. He hit the front of the green. He tapped it to two inches. Like there was, there was no drama. Do you think this was a great golf course that would have been better suited for a different tournament, or do you think this was a good U.S. Open course? Probably somewhere in between. Okay. Probably somewhere in between. This I, is more you, of a PGA Championship course. Yes, you, you would like to see the fast from you know, balls rolling into penalty areas balls rolling into rough where you know it's going to be a, a pain steward type par where he's going to have to chop it out hit a wedge and make a putt 
Yeah. I felt like that aspect was missing a little bit. You know, I, I think that they got a little unlucky with the weather. I know it was um, pretty foggy, you know, the quote-unquote marine layer. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty foggy and cool and a little wet leading up to the tournament, and I think that persisted through the first couple of days where yeah. they just were never able to get enough sunlight on the golf course to get it to pop and, you yeah, know, ter- turn it into cement like they were hoping it would. You because know, as a kid, you're, you're, just, you're so used to turning on NBC, and then immediately they're just showing a bloodbath. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> Uh, immediately, and I think there I think, just wasn't. I, I think that scoring on Thursday left a sour taste in a yeah, lot of people's mouths. Man, they were like, that, "What the fuck is this? It's not the U.S. Open. Hey, guys, so two this, guys shot eight fucking under. What the sh- what the shit is you know, this? This happened to the sixth. He got off to a good start. He was one under through five, and then this happened. If this was a live golf tournament and you just got rid of Thursday yeah. and it was just scoring like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, from a scoreboard standpoint, it looked like a U.S. Open. Guys were getting, guys were taking shrapnel. Like, for three straight days after. Par, par was really good the last three days. Really, really good. I mean, look at both Rory McIlroy and the guy that won the golf tournament shot 70 yep. on Sunday. And guys like you and me who fancy themselves to know quite a bit about golf yep. came away being like, those guys played fucking great. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of interesting that it was able to play as tough as it did um, without having that sort of traditional narrow fairways, narrow rough, which I think is a testament to the golf course. I, I think it was a great test. Um, it just didn't look... I think like a traditional U.S. Open. Yeah. Um. I wasn't really all that impressed with like the the skyline of L.A. Personally, I just I'm not an L.A. guy. Yeah. I just I just don't. The city of me just don't jive. Yeah. Uh, as one would say, but the golf course itself, I was just stunned by. I I just I I kept having to pinch myself, being like, man, this place is really really good, even if it doesn't look like a traditional U.S. Open. Um. Your I don't know, California bucket list. Where where does LACC stand for you? Um, I don't know. Maybe like, maybe like ten, probably. Okay. Yeah. What uh, now that I'm asking, you know, what off the top of your head, what are like the one or two or you know three courses that you think are at the? So, we get, obviously Spyglass. Okay. Big Spyglass. You and Uncle Jay. Big Spy guy. Absolutely. I'm looking at the shirt right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Spy Pebble. Uh, I want to play Cow Club. Tyler threatened me with the possibility of playing SF Club on Thursday. Didn't work out. Charlie's got a bad shoulder, supposedly. Supposedly. Um, and then, obviously, Olympic after the, the, the redo. Um, I love MPCC. Mm-hmm. I love Mayakama. I noticed you didn't bring up Cypress Point. That's We're getting there. <laughs> I've been promised that as well. <laughs> Haven't played there yet, so that's definitely ahead of LACC. And then... Honestly, I just because I have so much more exposure to it. Riv. Riviera, yeah, um, just looks like an unbelievable track. That was an interesting debate I heard a lot of people talking about. Where now that we've got to see the pros play LACC, yeah, and Riviera, just you know, a ten minute drive away, both designed by the same guy. Do you have a preference between one or the other? It sounds like you maybe would lean towards Riviera. Yeah, I would. Okay, for sure. And that's probably just because I've seen it a bunch more. Sure, um, I think the. I love the aesthetic of LACC, which I was a little surprised by. It looked cool by. leading up. The, 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 I, I, I got to I gotta be honest. I'm a Barranca guy. Big Barranca guy. I love Barrancas. Yeah, absolutely. I just love saying the word Barranca. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, definitely would move heaven and earth to play the course if I ever got the opportunity. Sure. It would, it would be, I mean, okay, I would not be playing those tees. <laughs> I... Find me something about 60, 64, 63. I was about to say, the 64 sounds pretty pretty nice. I, I like that a lot. 64 and change, I can, I can hybrid my way around. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, okay, so golf course, let's move to the fans. Yeah. How would you feel like the crowds were? I mean, again, there's a, Limited, lot, a lot of so negative quite, feedback I, I think, is what I've heard. I think, I've you heard. know, the thing that there weren't the roars. No. And do you think for people Scotty's that Scotty's too late on Saturday would have, like, caused an earthquake so i will elsewhere i I will say this so our guy g shack g shack g shack was he was saying this before the tournament even started i I listened to a really good uh, preview podcast with him uh and andy johnson on the fried egg feed and he was basically saying not only are the crowds going to be small it's going to feel like a very corporate u.s open just because of the way things you know he was aware of this before a lot of that's just la too right it's an l exactly Again, it gets back to the whole thing of me just not really jiving and vibing with the with LA as a city and a vibe. But 
I just think that the corporate feel of it, combined with the fact that he was saying in this preview podcast that the golf course is really tough to get around as a spectator. You kind of get into certain parts of the certain parts of the golf course, and you're kind of stuck there. It's really tough to get out. So he said he was anticipating before the tournament started that crowds would look weird because there was going to be a lot of parts of that golf course where you'd look around as a TV viewer and not see any fans. Yeah. And I think it's partially just because the property itself with all the barrancas yeah. that people are having to navigate, walk around, makes it more difficult to get from one hole to the next, combined with the fact that there's houses surrounding the golf course in a lot, and I guess they weren't allowed to have crowds up against the property line, where they're just, as a TV viewer, it just felt like there were so many places yeah. where you're watching these guys play in the national championship. And, and it was just you like didn't, they're out there by you themselves. didn't see fans, and then it didn't. And again. They, kept, they kept showing sunset, and it's. That, yeah, that's a very good point. The Playboy Mansion. Yep. Cool. Yep. I, I, w- I want to see 30,000 people screaming yep. and, and getting amped. Now, here's the other thing. Part of the reason that had a corporate feel was because they was mostly member tickets and corporate tickets with only a handful left for sale for the general public, which was awful. Um, but two, and this is me, this is coming from a Bay Area sports fan. Yeah. I kind of feel like LA is a pretty shitty sports city. They think it is, but outsiders, for sure, I feel that way. Yeah, like, it's a pretty terrible sports city. Um, if they had well, had more tickets, if they, they had, ta- if, football team I say, if they had more tickets open to the general public, are we 100% sure that it actually would have would have been a scene? No, I agree. Maybe if, like, you did it far enough in advance where people coming from out of town would get tickets and things like that, but if you're just kind of trying to get the L.A. sports fan to come out for the national championship that's taking place in their home city. Well, I, I don't even know how many fucking people show I up. talked about, well, you know they're going sh- to show up late and they're going to leave early. Yes. That's what L.A. sports fans do. And apparently it was pretty like tough Dodgers to get game, in Dodgers game, Lakers game, a tip-off or first pitch, they're at like 50% capacity. And then four minutes left in the first or in the bottom of the second, and it's packed. And for, for that's, all that's the LA sports mentality. And for all of like the good LA sports fans out there that are listening to this, thinking, "Oh man, that's yeah. not the case." We're not talking about you. We're talking about your friend. No, no, I, <laughs> I, I would I would say disrespect, very much intended, because yeah, the, the city as a whole is a bad vibe yeah. when it comes to their sports. It just it just doesn't feel like that was. I, I think that's my main takeaway. I wish that golf course had was located in a different locale. To the point where they would have had better, more enthusiastic fans yeah. in attendance. I, th- I think that's what it comes down to. Um, also, there was a lot of controversy that I kept hearing about where LACC not only limited the number of general you know tickets out there, but at one point tried to buy them all up themselves so there wouldn't be any general attendance. I, I, I have not heard that confirmed. Uh, I've heard people speculating about that. Some people reported on it as if it was fact. I have not been able to you know confirm. confirm that i have not been able to confirm that anywhere but if true god that fucking sucks yeah that's that's a club that should not be hosting the national championship despite how good their golf course is seal the deal. obviously i it's a, it's a great venue for a walker cup for sure walker cup's perfect okay perfect for lacc but it didn't that's probably another reason that you brought up a very good point like you didn't see grandstands no and that's you the thing. didn't see. There's just, no grandstands around. You one. didn't see ten deep of 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 you know a crowd. No, in never. Newer rope. Never. You not I mean? not even when when Wyndham Clark's on the 18th green and guys are people they, are they, lining up in the fairway. You're still only like six seven people deep. They fooled us for four days and then they they let the crowd on 18. You know, it's like come on. It didn't was have, tough. Didn't have that. So problem. get this fun facts for you. Did they know this is the first U.S. Open in quite some time? There was no grandstands of any kind on the first tee. Do you know why? No. Because the guys are now hitting it so far, in order for them to get the first hole to play sort of the way they wanted it to play, they had to move the first tee back to the putting green right next to the clubhouse. They converted the putting green next to the clubhouse into the first tee for the U.S. Open. That's why you saw them hitting over the rose bushes oh, wow. on, on one tee. And the membership obviously didn't want to have any grandstands of any kind uh impeding or intruding sh- on the clubhouse because the, the they wanted to sh- well not that they want to show off the view they wanted to show off the clubhouse yeah the clubhouse is very big for them now i will say nice clubhouse yeah again it's a clubhouse 
That is the same reason they didn't have any grandstands around the 18th, 18th. green, which is oh. fucking criminal. To not have huge grandstands surrounding the last hole of the U.S. Open, especially when we just had a tournament that finished on the 18th hole. Yeah. Again, it was because they didn't want to block players' view of the clubhouse, and they didn't want to block the members' view of the clubhouse down to 18th green. What the fuck are we doing we, here, man? We get it. You, you charge $30,000 a month in dues. <laughs> you've, you've got a nice clubhouse. We get it. Doesn't make any sense to me, Boat. Uh, yeah. So that, that's another reason why I didn't feel like an open. Well, I, I, again, I, f- so for me, let's we'll kind of wrap this up. So for yep. me, love the golf course, but it seems like the stewards of the golf course and the members and everything like that may have been the impediment. I feel like they had too much kept, control. Yeah. Th- th- right. I feel like in most majors, yeah, the 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 management's going to still have a say, but it's like the USJ is kind of be like, okay, well that's great, but we're in contract to do whatever we want. And I feel like the USGA was trying not to step on toes with the members, maybe. Which is weird. You're the USGA. You're the USGA, man. And I know this is, you know, this was locked in when Mike Davis was in charge of the USGA, whereas Mike Wan uh, is in charge now. And I'm sure, you know, he's kind of trapped. The U.S. Open is supposed to go back to L.A. Country Club in 2039, in just a a meager 16 years from now. Um, I wonder if it'll go back. I, based on based on how this went, a lot can happen in sixteen years. They'll get a lot of feedback. Maybe their members are so pretentious, they're like, "We hosted one, we don't need to host another." Well, I mean, that was the thing. They've been wanting to host this championship at LACC for a long time, yep. and the members have always been like, "I just don't really want to get our golf course." Yep. And that actually, I'm like, you know what? Like, that sucks for the golf fans who want to see these guys play your golf course. But like, I also get it. Yep. I mean, you're paying a shitload in dues. You're like, this is your golf course. Like, yep. If you want to just have your golf course for you to play. I get that, and I respect that. Um, but to then give the green light to the USJ to have the tournament at your golf course. Yeah, and then bring a bunch of red tape. That, that just feels weird. I, I, I didn't like that. I think that's probably my biggest turnoff for the golf tournament was just kind of the it logistics very, very of everything. LA. It is very L.A. Very L.A. Very, very L.A. I don't know, man. You got, you got any last thoughts on uh, the execution of the tournament itself, golf course, anything Los Angeles or LACC related? I think we were maybe a little bit worried after the first day, like, oh, my God, are they going to get to 20 under? Um, but There's a okay. lot of people very, very concerned. Right around, you know, I think the highest someone got was 12. Yeah. When w- got, Clark when got, when got to 12 at one point, so and that was the lowest anybody got. It got back down to almost single digits. That's kind of kind of the new even par for yeah, the USJ. So for sure. I think from a standpoint of where they, they ran it and got what they want and, you know, like you said, had to deal with some weather that maybe – they didn't really want. Maybe they wanted. Who knows? I'll bet you that golf course plays a lot different if it's firm and fast. Sure. Yeah, I would. I would totally agree. And I bet and, you, and it had more of a the the purplish brownish look that you get from these U.S. Open greens. If they had gotten the golf course into the shape that I think they were hoping to, where it was running as firm and fast as you were just, yeah. you know, I'm guessing that the winning score probably would have been more in the seven to eight range. Yeah, I think. Yeah, which I Half if that's the case, I don't think anybody's complaining yeah at all no that's fine 10 is fine 10 is fine too i find that the golf tournaments that tend to be the most compelling and the most exciting usually finish where the winning score is somewhere between seven to like 1300 viewership was that's like the sweet percent so could have been all that bad yeah maybe a lot of people tuned in to see what la golf's all about besides riv but yeah it's uh i'm happy for Wyndham getting to know more about that guy me too and and John Ellis getting a huge check, um, and the Caddy Award, and the Caddy Award, <laughs> and the Caddy Award. Three, three point six million, whatever percentage he's getting to that. Happy for him. Uh, he's an assistant at Oregon too, so um, yeah, a lot of positive takeaways. Yeah, Ricky's, for sure. Ricky's seems like he's almost all the way back. Uh, he's got some demons behind him now, and he's yeah playing great. He's playing great. Uh, so now we're just about a month away from the last major championship of 2023. Like I said, Hoylake going to the Open Championship across the pond. Where where does the Open Championship rank in terms of like the majors you enjoy the most? Like how how do you rank the majors in terms of your personal enjoyment? Hoylake is not one of my favorite. <laughs> I guess I say not so Hoylake, but just like there's like the Open, U.S. Open, yeah. PGA Masters. Like if it was Carnoustie or you know Old Course, I'd be a lot more excited. But I think probably. I, I, this could have changed from the last time you maybe asked me. I think probably Masters goes one. Mm-hmm. 
and then probably U.S. Open ordinarily to British and then PGA. But the PGA are, are playing some some different venues now. And playing some really cool spots, too. So I don't know which one I would lower, but that would maybe get them into Masters 1 and then a T2, T2, T2 mm-hmm. type deal. British Open, I, I love getting up early to watch or, st- or stay that up late. That coffee golf is good, man. I love or it. Or stay up late. So I, I, I do that. That's why I got that ahead of the PGA a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, well, man, I think this was a, this was a great little recap. We, we, overall, super fun tournament. Yeah. I had a great time. Good for Wyndham Clark. Uh, any, any closing thoughts before we put, uh, put a bow on this one? Be nice to people. Again, everybody, you're listening to Nice Grass. <laughs> nice people. The one thing that we need to stress to all of you, just be nice. Just be nice. Be nice. Be nice to your pro. Be nice to your fellow golfer. Be nice to the people you interact with. Be nice to the golf course. Be nice to the grass that you're playing on. You know, do, do us. Be nice. We're just out there trying to play a nice game. All right? <laughs> we're, we're just trying to enjoy a nice game with some people. Yeah. And so just please be nice. Exactly. Well said. All right, everybody, until next time, adios. Thank you very much for listening. Adios, friends. If, uh, if you can, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, leave us a review. Leave us five stars if you can. Reviews are good. If you if you leave us a nice review, just like we used to back in the day, we'll read it right here on the podcast. Perfect. That'd be great. All right, everybody. Adios. It's-